bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in coronavirus, like we're talking about reality TV. And what a week it was, meow meow. What a week it was. Wow. So, over the course of 2020, the world has lost so many beloved and important people. Kobe Bryant, John Lewis, Kelly Preston, Charlie Daniels, Carl Reiner, Joel Schumacher, Bonnie from the Pointer Sisters, Fred Willard, Naya Rivera, Jerry Stiller, Hugh Downs, Little Richard, Roy from Siegfried and Roy, Brian Dennehy, Bill Withers, Terrence McNally, Kenny Rogers, Andre Harrell, James Lipton, C.T. Vivian, Kirk Douglas, even though he raped Natalie Wood, Mary Higgins Clark, JFK's sister Jean Kennedy, Larry Kramer, Elvis's grandson, Zinzi Mandela, Regis Philbin, and Olivia de Havilland, and at least 50 more that don't have as much name recognition, but that were significant figures that are now gone forever. Yep, and it's only been one donkey punch after another since January. But this week, the incessant and relentless wave of death came right up to our very own doorstep when we lost a longtime friend and collaborator from our inner circle, Lady Red Couture. Brandy and I spent time with, hung out with, and worked with Lady Red in many iterations over the last decade. She was so much more than a drag queen. She was a beloved mentor and friend to so many people. She was a creative powerhouse so eclipsing that she couldn't even get cast on RuPaul's Drag Race because producers knew she'd outshine every other queen to the point of ridiculousness. She was gorgeous and sexy and raw and funny and unique and fearless. She never backed down and she never compromised who she was. And she was someone who came to the trans community after facing a staggering amount of personal adversity. And through that, she became a role model for so many young black trans people and LGBTQ people of color who were inspired by her strength, her unapologetic pride and her unwavering self-worth. She meant so much to so many, but undoubtedly she meant the most to Johnny McGovern. Lady Red was Johnny's creative partner, roommate, and best friend. And as Johnny is one of our best friends, we can tell you that he himself has suffered more personal loss in the last decade than most people will see in their lifetimes. Our hearts are broken for our friend that's gone, but also for our friend that lives, because we know how much he's suffering right now. So we're going to play out the segment with Lady Red's song called Rich White Woman off her 2018 album called Stunt Queen. And we're going to play the whole song, and it's four minutes long, and we don't need your guys' notes, okay? <laughs> Just listen to the damn song before we get to the shitty week in Corona. Or better yet, go buy the song. That's right. It's on iTunes. Hello, children. Are you ready for some cutting up and kiki Are you ready for a gay old time? Well, I hope you are, because now it's time for Stunt Queen with me, Lady Red Couture. <laughs>
time for the shitty week in Corona. Guess what, bitch? <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! Shit is real! Shit is getting real! Shit is real! This shitty week in Corona featured another round of record-breaking COVID cases and another round of record-breaking Black Lives Matter protests. It's been over 60 straight days of peaceful marches and violent demonstrations, all in the name of the racial reckoning that this country has been sorely in need of for the last 50 motherfucking years. And now that it's finally here, we couldn't be motherfucking happier. It's all we've got, and truthfully... It's all we need. That and Kamala Harris being vice president. <laughs> That's right. There's a global pandemic. The country is broke and people are dying. But you know what? We've got the damn marches and these marches feel real this time. Like they could actually be transformative because people aren't fucking stopping. And in fact, they're getting more intense. And this past weekend, the shit was on and popping. And here's where the hot spots were. Seattle, Portland, Oakland, Louisville, Kentucky, Aurora, Colorado, and Austin, Texas. Now, I know we had some in downtown LA and our federal building got destroyed. We're in fact having some right this very moment. There are literally helicopters <laughs> hovering all over the LA sky, just like they've done every day and night for the last two months straight. Yeah. The protests are happening all the time all over the country, but we're going to focus on these six cities from this past weekend because that's where the protesters took to the streets like they were on Bad Girls Club. <laughs> Banging pots and pans with wooden spoons telling federal agents to pop off, son! Pop off! <laughs> and in some cases, the agents did, and some shit went down. But the protesters were deterred not one bit. Okay, so should we start with Portland? Uh, sure. 
Let's start with Portland. <laughs> yeah, you've been um, you've been pretty uh, glued to the unmarked. <laughs> apparently, I mean, uh, call me Alex Jones. Call me fucking Q on and on. <laughs> I don't know what to say, but those those guys, maybe it's men and women can't tell because they have helmets on. Those don't seem like federal agents to me. That seems like a paid militia that lives on a fucking compound that is getting paid to do some dirty, shady fucking business. I don't know what person in law control would have the stomach or could sleep at night doing the shit that they're fucking doing. I'm pissed. Will you turn my headphones down just a tiny bit? <laughs> okay, so just to catch anyone up who doesn't know what Julie's talking about, <laughs> what QAnon is talking about. Okay, so Trump has sent federal agents to different cities all over the country, but the shit has been going down in Portland for weeks, and... There, he sent unmarked federal agents who've been disappearing protesters right off the damn streets. Right. So Julie feels that they're a secret militia, <laughs> and they probably are. The The official word that has come in from my research uh -huh. is that they are a very elite border patrol agency called BORTAC. So they are used to track smugglers, serve high-risk warrants, and raid, like, drug stash houses. So are we saying that they're like a... Like a law enforcement style Halliburton. Their employment isn't actually by the government, but is a separate agency of which they're getting contracted for. I mean, that's well, your theory all along, QAnon, is that they are <laughs> contracted. It's yes. a contracted militia. Well, that's what that sounds like. That sounds like, and not, also not for nothing, BTW, border agents are garbage. So sorry, not sorry. The, that kind of that is a that you know what that is a person who can sleep at night by putting children in cages and separating people and loves violence with dare all due I say to anyone who knows one we did <laughs> we have like PTSD because we did just watch an amazing race with these two fucking <laughs> asshole border patrol agents that we could not stand so tell us about the wall of moms because that's also something that QAnon has been really into <laughs> well the thing is with those federal agents and the reason that Trump and his lackeys and Joseph Goebbels and um, the rest of the Nazis have decided <laughs> that they can tell us that they can do whatever they want. And they don't need anyone's um, permission, including the mayor and the governor of each state, that the, they're going to go ahead and access their federal dicks and slap it down on people, even though in, everyone in the states have been asking for help with coronavirus and or anything. The federal government goes, that's not our job. We don't do that. But apparently what they're there for is to fucking violate all of our rights and yeah. to make people disappear. Like border agents, <laughs> QAnon. So what they're using is the fact that protesters are going to federal buildings and they're like, they're damaging them. They're going to do destruction on the federal buildings, blah, 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 blah. So that means the federal government can come in to, d to defend their property, so to speak. Right. Now, you know, protesters, they have been seen throwing we don't paint. Care. Thank God. Well, yeah. yeah. We're I so mean, into it. Go ahead. Nah. So... When the fake paid mercenary Nazi militia came in, they started taking people away, violating people's rights left and right. The next it was literally like the next day, uh, this group called the Wall of Moms. This woman started a group on Facebook and was like, I'm a mom, mom, my mom. <laughs> and this is gross. We're moms. These are our kids. How could they fucking do this? We're going to you know what we're going to do? We're going to line up and we're going to stand around and we're not going to let the federal agents kill our kids. Like we're, they're going to lock arms. Right. Looking like probably a bunch of Karens and everybody <laughs> had their ca their camera phones on. Just like, let me get, let's not see these, you know, this paid militia beat down all the middle aged Karens <laughs> right. in the street. Right. I mean, there were there's there were pregnant women standing in that line. Great idea. You know what I mean? And and then it led to the wall of vets and veterans were standing in line. Because now you've got people in wheelchairs, people with missing limbs <laughs> right. and they're pushing 70 and it's like or 80. And it's or like, people have been in Afghanistan, yeah. people have been in Iraq, yeah. people who have served this country. Don't beat the vets down. No. And it reminds me of and I don't know if they realize or it was it's inspired by when um uh, Matthew Shepard was murdered in Laramie, Wyoming. He was a young gay kid who got murdered and they they killed him and tied him up to a fence and left him to die. And the, you know, this was in the 90s and fucking gay shit, whatever. In order to fight the resistance of like who hate crime, basically, like that's not a hate crime. That's just whatever. He's a faggot. Blah, blah, blah. These people came out dressed in angel outfits with angel wings and stood in a line and we're protesting. And wow. so 
it, it, it reminds me of that. It's giving me this sort of like, you know, when people come together in groups like that, locking fucking arms, saying like, yeah, we're moms. Like, come on, man. We're you're somebody's kid. These are somebody's kids. Yeah. And or vets like we're vets, too. We're in the military. We love our country. This isn't about not loving our country. We're protecting everyone's rights here, too. It's hard to uh, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. Yeah. So basically, a lawsuit was filed by the state of Oregon, uh, which would require Trump's unmarked federal agents to identify themselves. Mm-hmm. And of course, the judge denied the lawsuit. <laughs> okay, no, go ahead and stay. Right. Go incognito <laughs> and pretend you're like, do, do, do. Nothing to see here. I'm just shopping. And then you kidnap someone. That's fine. I mean, there's foot. You, you just see this footage and it's shocking. You see like a, literally a Dodge caravan drives up. These guys get out drag someone across the street and put them in a van that could be any van and drive away and there's footage of like people yelling like what's your name what's your name we're gonna find you don't worry we're gonna find you and it's just like what is going on yeah this is and it's not a good look for for that Oregon judge and he is gonna be dragged and through the filth and mud and all of his skeletons are gonna fall right out of his racist (laughs) sexist homophobic rapey closet now Seattle 47 protesters were arrested in Seattle this past week. <laughs> 47 people. Okay, we're 60 days into these protests and 47 people just got arrested in Seattle. The protesters broke into a construction site next to the federal building and set it on <laughs> fire. That construction site was to be a juvenile detention center. Genius. They fucking set it on fire. Loves that. That's so great. So because of that, he is going to go ahead and send the creepy border patrol federal agents <laughs> to Seattle. Um, he's already sent them to Chicago, Kansas City, Albuquerque and New York, um, which he says, quote, to quell a surge of gun violence that liberal mayors in those cities are doing nothing about. Right. And he, of course, also says that um, it's anarchists. It's people who hate this country. It's Antifa. It's all this bullshit. And um, he's trying it. He is trying it. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who's the new lesbo mayor of Chicago, said, we don't need your notes. We don't want you here. Do not come here. Yeah. And of course, the Trump administration said, no, actually, we don't need your notes. And we're coming in. Yeah. And that's where we're all like, oh, no, no, no. no. And that's where it's going to go down. Nope. So in Louisville, Kentucky, home of our good and personal friend, Charles Booker. Mm Mm-hmm. Louisville's been going off because that's the place where Breonna Taylor was shot in her bed. Right. And they people are just have been demanding justice since, mm-hmm. you know. So 87 people were arrested Friday wow. and Saturday. Wow. 80 fucking seven people allegedly blocking off a street with barrels filled with water and bleach and piss. This is where I get excited. <laughs> this is where I get excited. Now, you know, it's also in Louisville where. There's a black group calling itself the Not Fucking Around Coalition, and they have... Um, How'd they steal that name from us? <laughs> I know, exactly, um, which is very exciting. Um, <laughs> but they're dressed in, you know, militia gear and have AK-47s and shit. Yeah, and so and I would say they look like they're not fucking around. And I would say they <laughs> look like they're not fucking around either. And so, you know, they're not bringing a knife to a gunfight. They're bringing a gun to a gunfight, and Trump wants to say that it's the the gun violence they're there to quell or whatever but it's like they're there for to protect their lives and you know the scary and sad thing is that there probably will be a huge shootout and that will be kind of like a huge reckoning um well they said we're not here to cause chaos there have been rumors we're coming to hunt people down again we are simply exercising Mm -hmm. our constitutional rights to assemble and bear arms which is an interesting thing too since the republicans who are yeah, well, you guys repu- love your guns. Yeah, you love your guns. So this should be awesome for you. You love when people come out with their guns and, the and whole hold thing, guns. Well, you're supposed to have the guns so that the government can't take you over. Right. And here's what's going on. Yeah. The government is trying to take people over. So they're taking out their guns. Yeah. And isn't this what you want? Isn't and, this what you want? And when then Bortak rolls over and is like, hey, what group are you with? They're like, yeah, uh, we're with the Not Fucking Around Coalition. <laughs> Who are you with? And Julie's in the other room like, I love that they had the barrels of urine. Isn't that awesome? And I'm like, yeah. I live i now i'm thinking like i had never even i've literally never thought of that before and now i'm like because i'm you know my mind always goes to like fucking like vengeance revenge yeah. get your gun yeah you do it not fucking around like oh it gets me so excited well but we then, threw an unused maxi pad on someone's car <laughs> well now i'm thinking oh oh my god 
tampon cannons <laughs> use tampon are you kidding what are men oh what do men fear the most in the world a woman on her period they can't handle <laughs> tampons they can't handle maxi pads it's the bane of their existence god fucking forbid you mentioned tampons so okay let's go get it get all the used tampons put them in a fucking bucket get a goddamn tampon cannon and shoot I'm not going to even say to kill. Shoot to get in their eyes. Well, yeah. Yeah. In their mouth. To get- <laughs> in their eyes. I want used tampons in their mouths. Okay. I'm going to email the not, the not fucking around coalition and tell them about your IBS. And if they need, <laughs> we can send them. I'll shit in a bag and gallons, send it to gallons, gallons of, of shit IBS. and yeah. diarrhea. <laughs> I mean, I really like this whole thing is like you don't even need you do not need to kill. Even though they're going to have guns. The thing is with with um, the fake militia, the fake feds. They might have guns, but once my IBS and tampons get on them, they will crumble to the ground. They will crumble to the ground. We need more shit in barrels. We need more urine. I want them more, to hold more, more signs of your picture and go, this is whose <laughs> period and shit you have on you. And they're like, how did that man get her period? Some man's period blood's on us. I'm from the not fucking around group, bitch. Yeah, eat my period. You know what the sign is going to say? It's going to say, eat my period, Trump, you bitch. How about that? So Aurora, Colorado, meow, meow, yes. is the site of that horrific killing of that young, I want to say kid, but I guess he 23. Was, um, his name's Elijah McLean. He was walking home from a food court with a ski mask on. He was stopped by police and brutally assaulted while he begged for his life. And I would caution anyone from even just simply reading the transcript. It is awful he was so terrified and suffocated that he went into cardiac arrest and died they injected him with 500 milligrams of ketamine as a sedative by paramedics oh my god 500 milligrams of ketamine like so people in in aurora colorado have been demanding justice long before george floyd and just were like in every city in this major city in this country and probably every single one where a black person has said they can't breathe with someone's knee on their neck right like Vegas and so many other ones, right. they, they were ignored and they all just took, you know, their toys and went home and were like, we're fucked. We have no rights. Fuck you, Colorado. And then after George Floyd, they were like, Mm-mm, right. time for the reckoning. <laughs> right. And he will. We are demanding justice and we won't let this go. So they've been g- gathering there for a while. The This weekend, it was humongous. Mm-hmm. And at one point they were walking down this long highway and a car came Beating, hurling down the highway and the whole crowd parted down the middle so that they wouldn't um, hundreds of people wouldn't get run over and killed. That's a thing that, that we seem to see. We've seen more than one time yeah. is, the, is the speeding car running over protesters. It's like the, the, the hanging on of the white supremacists. It's just like, OK, you know, it, it's it's so gross and horrifying, but you can you can drive your car through that as much as you want. It's not going to do it. You're not going to win. You're not going, you're done. You're done. You're done. Yeah, they're done. done. So in Austin, it was a few hundred people gathered downtown Austin, like right in the shadow of the Capitol building on Congress Avenue. Mm -hmm. It was just like a peaceful run of the mill, you know, not even that big of a march. And but they've been marching in Austin for a minute. And the reason that it's here and we're even talking about is because a white male who had been protesting, participating in the protests in Austin for weeks He was there again. He was carrying an AK-47, and I guess he saw a car, which was probably filled with white nationalists, Mm. threatening him. He then pointed the gun he was carrying at them, and then they shot him from the car and killed him. I mean, unfortunately, this is what happens with guns. Yeah. So, you know, it sucks, and I know he was came from an intention of trying to help and protect and thinking that that was a good idea, but... That is an example of what happens when you bring you bring out the guns. That's yeah. why people want fucking gun control. Even at the not fucking around coalition, one of their guns accidentally went off and like shot three of them and they, none of them died. But they, they all got shot by their own gun somehow. It's just the deal with guns. And, you know, if, if he didn't have a gun, then he would have just looked at them and probably flipped them off. And then they would have said, fuck you or who knows. You know what I mean? Or who knows? And maybe they would have shot him anyway. Yeah. We don't know because they're insane and whatever. And if I saw, I guess, a group of white nationalists in a car that had a gun, I probably wouldn't engage. No. no. Um, no. But however, unless I had my tampon cannon, in which case <laughs> I'd go ahead and send him some tampons. <laughs> 
okay, now it's time to continue talking about the fight for racial equality over on Voting Rights Street. Can you tell me how to get, how to get to Voting Rights Street? How to get to Voting Rights Street? How to get to Voting Rights Street? <laughs> I want my Voting Rights Street! I'm on one. Yeah. I like it. All right. So as if there's not enough shit to deal with during this pandemic... In less than 100 days, America will face what is arguably the most important general election of the 21st century. And it's not just imperative that we get rid of Trump. If we want criminal justice reform, if we want Obamacare, if we want a wealth tax, if we want tech regulation, if we want equal rights, if we want black lives to matter, then we have to take back control of Congress. And that means everyone needs to vote Democrat on every line of the ballot, (laughs) not just the one that says Joe Biden. That's right. But before everyone can vote Democrat, everyone needs to have fair and equal access to voting, which, as we know, is never going to (laughs) happen. Not this year anyway. Now, certainly 2020 didn't invent voter suppression and gerrymandering and hanging Chad and racism and Republican power mongering. But what it did invent was coronavirus. And no matter what state you live in, if you voted in person for the presidential primary, then you drove out of your way. You waited in an endless line. And you know that trying to vote in November is for sure going to be another shit show of epic proportions. Well, here to tell us how to navigate the COVID infested waters of the November election is the executive director at the Southern Coalition for Social Justice, which is a nonprofit organization that works with disadvantaged communities in the South to help them fight systemic oppression and structural racism. As the head of the voting rights program, she works as the lead attorney fighting against voter suppression, gerrymandering, and unfair laws restricting access to voting, particularly in communities of color. We are so grateful that she agreed to do our stupid-ass podcast. So without further ado, let's find out how to get to Equal Voting Rights Street with Allison Riggs. Hi, Hi, Allison. Hey, Julie and Brandy. Nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for doing this. We're, like, super, super excited to have you on. I'm honored to be here and um, really uh, I've been geeking out on your podcast today. Oh, my God. How embarrassing. Don't listen to that, Allison. Don't. (laughs) Okay, so right off the bat, we know your organization focuses on the South and voting rules and coronavirus rules vary state to state. But in general, if someone knows they want to vote in the presidential election in November, what is the first thing they should do today? They need to look up the rules of the game online from a trusted source now, not uh, not 90 days from now, not 95 days from now. Um, and some of those rules are changing, but folks have to look into how they're going to participate, whether it's by voting by mail or voting early in person or how to safely vote on Election Day. They, everyone needs to make a plan to vote, make a plan to vote now and follow through on it. So uh, it, would that be like the re- your your county registrar's office, like like your Department of Motor Vehicles, just any any like state website? Right. I would start with the state elections commission or state board of elections, and then they will direct you to your count your locality. But the the general rules are going to be set at a statewide level. Um, There's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So folks need to go to trusted sources. And that's, um, you know, the the people who make the rules. Not that I trust them per se, but they're at least going to advertise what the rules are or we'll see them in court. Okay, so does every state have some sort of like mail-in voting option? Do you know do you know the answer to that? (laughs) I do. There's unfortunately way too many states that put a condition on how you can vote by mail. So in in all too many states, you need an excuse to vote. Some states like North Carolina, where I am, we have what's called no excuse absentee voting. But um, so you need to know if you're in one of those states where you need an excuse, like you're sick or you're out of town versus um, I just want to vote by mail and vote from my home. Um, And that's going to be the first step to figuring out how to participate. And then after that, voting by mail isn't always as easy as you might assume. Um, And there's going to be a huge burden on election administrators to get and receive, get 
process and send out absentee ballots, there's going to be a huge burden on the underfunded U.S. Postal Service. And so you want to allow yourself as much time as possible for those processes to, to have time to play out. Are there any options for people who don't have access to wireless or the websites that you mentioned? What do, what do people do if they want to vote and they want to find out where to vote, but they don't even have wire, they don't even have the Internet? Yeah. So the first thing I would do, so I I recommended folks go to state governmental actors like the elections commissions and the elections boards. But another great um, option is 866-HOUR-VOTE. We work with the Election Protection Coalition um, in North Carolina, and it's a nationwide operation. But its um, volunteers across the country can help voters figure out how am I going to participate? I can't print out an absentee request form. I'm not sure that the mail is going to work all that great in my neighborhood. Um, we can help you navigate those those challenges. Do you think it's better to vote in person? Like I prefer, like let's say in the with with the last in the primaries or what? Oh no, yeah, in the primaries, like Julie mailed hers off, and I feel <laughs> I just like want to go and stand in the line and see that my vote probably just also went in the trash, but. <laughs> I, do you feel like it's if you can vote in person and you're you know that that people who aren't scared of like the virus or whatever should? Yeah, and it's not really even about being scared. It's I mean I'm a you know middle-aged <laughs> white woman. I feel like one of the ways I can show up for folks who are disproportionately affected by coronavirus is be cautious, but also relieve pressure on on voting by mail system. So I can show up. Um, and I think if if you can, you should take every precaution. But I'm I'm deeply worried about the absentee by mail system breaking under the burden of people who need to vote by mail for their health. Um, so if you don't need to, I think you know try try to go in person. And the truth is, you don't have to stay in line. There's a lot of states that have. Um, decent-sized early voting periods. It's always the last few days that get the most jam-packed with mm-hmm. voters. But if you can, if you can go on a Tuesday and vote, chances are you're not going to see, I mean, a Tuesday during early voting, not Tuesday election day. But if you can go at an off-period time, you, you should be able to walk in and out without too much too much weight. Now, I know not everyone has that privilege, but if you can vote in person, take every precaution and do it. I mean, even Kentucky, which we know is a piece of shit, <laughs> they had, you know, two weeks of early voting before this last primary. I, I was pretty impressed by that. And I know they've taken all. I mean, all now you have to give away. blood now yeah. to vote for, <laughs> you know, in November there in Kentucky. But I feel like if the, if they're offering early voting or if they did, then it's probably going to be available everywhere, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, so I will say I think what the trend we'll see this year is um, fewer options on Election Day just because there literally aren't the bodies to work the polling places on Election Day. The average poll worker in this country is in in his or her their late 60s. Um, that's Those are vulnerable folks. Um, so, you know, there's going to be fewer spots, but there may be in, in a good number of places – um, decent early voting opportunities. So this is what I say when I say make a make a plan. Look at the rules now. Figure out does my state have 14 days, 17 days, 22 days? Are there weekends? Um, do I know what my work schedule is going to be like? These are all things that can help you plan to vote safely and without um, unnecessary exposure mm. to coronavirus. Just out of curiosity, are poll, people that work at poll places volunteers or are they paid? They're usually paid poorly. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, then we should probably go I mean, you sign up to 14, do it. 14 hours a day for like $7 an hour. You're not doing it to get rich. You're doing it because you care about our democracy. So they're but kind also, of like volunteers, I guess, basically. Then. Like given an honor. Essentially. Right. Okay. So outside of the challenges of the pandemic, what does voter suppression look like, um, like in terms of mail-in voting? I mean, it's really it's hard to get outside of the pandemic because the pandemic um, is showing an almost perfect intersection of socioeconomic disparities and health inequalities in this country and an obvious um, intent to minimize political participation. So we know that poor folks, folks of color have had less access to um, decent health care in this country and are suffering from the effects 
so have comorbidities that make them at risk for coronavirus um, and and bad um, bad outcomes from contracting coronavirus. And then we're like, oh yeah, and we're not going to make it any easier to vote. Um, so you know, it's it's making it almost easy easier to commit voter suppression because you don't even have to try very hard. Wow. Wow. Is there more chance for votes to go missing or or numbers to come out wrong or whatever through a mail-in ballot? Or is it all just the same? I mean, I'm not going to, you know, put my head in the sand and pretend like in 2018, we didn't have a pretty big scandal with um, a Republican operative stealing the absentee ballots of black and brown voters in Congressional District 9. It's a thing. But, you know, I, I... I give a lot of credit to election administrators, especially the folks who are just grinding day in and day out trying to conduct a democracy. I think they're trying their best. I think some of what we may see, um, particularly this year, is a kind of administrative disenfranchisement. I mean, the federal government is trying to screw the U.S. Postal Service, and the U.S. Postal Service is central to the idea of how we conduct um, mail participation in elections. So, It's not so much a nefarious, I can't trust it. It's just that the system wasn't designed to support this. I mean, we are not, most of this country isn't one of the few states that's been planning for vote by mail for years and implementing it thoughtfully and carefully. It's, we're kind of in a situation where we're like, crap, people are going to get sick. Let's fling some poo at the wall and see what sticks. So it's it's not the best design system. I don't. I, I think you can trust the system, and I also think you have to realize the system has limitations. And where we can even out the voting inputs, so people going to vote in person, people going to vote on election day, people voting by absentee, the best thing we can do for the health of the system overall is not overwhelm any one input. Uh, okay, great. Makes sense. Okay, well, let's talk. Let's just talk the brass tacks of of just regular weed voter suppression. Like, we just want the regular weed. We don't want the chronic. Like, we're dealing with what? Like gerrymandering. What What would you say is the main the main tactic? tactic. I mean, I think making the system much more complicated than it needs to be. In particular, in particular, making it harder for. Um, voters who aren't experienced voters, voters who are new voters, to come into the process to learn it. I think making those kinds of um, navigating those kinds of uh, hurdles is actually the easiest and most effective, pervasive, and un- unidentified way or under-identified way of voter suppression. Yes, we have voter ID laws that that's, that hurt voters of color. We have gerrymandering, but. You know, those are sort of the usual suspects. I worry more about the the methods of vote suppression that fly under the radar. So, you know, making it making it such that you have to check all of these tiny little boxes on an absentee request form, otherwise your absentee request form gets rejected. I think that's administrative vote suppression, and I don't think it's accidental. I think it's purposeful. And can you hear that, or can only we hear it, Allison? I can't hear it. Oh, good. Well, the podcast people will be able to. Um, okay. <laughs> Okay, when I go on the California (laughs) unemployment website to just and I have to go on it every two weeks. okay, (laughs) Um, year round, it is so fucking complicated and weird. And the way the question and I'm and I'm like, I have a college education now. I'm, you know, drunk a lot of the time, but it's it's not it. It's not straightforward. Yeah, They make it. It's not user friendly. It's completely complicated. Right. And I can see why someone just be like, I'm not even going to I can't even deal with this. this. Right. And that's what yeah. you're saying with, well, if you, with voting. If you're a state who doesn't, if you're a state who doesn't want to actually pay out um, yeah. social welfare benefits, yeah. or if you are election officials or state legislators who don't actually want folks to participate, yeah, it makes sense. Let's make this hard and deter deter involvement. I love love that you said that, and I just want everyone to know that at the end they always ask me rate the website, and I always poor. <laughs> Poor. You're, you're, you're shit. You're doing administrative suppression on me. You don't want to pay me. Okay, so, but then I want you to explain gerrymandering. Yeah. I mean, gerrymandering, you know, some of these districts look like big middle fingers from the line drawers to the voters, right? <laughs> so it's like, what do, you, what do you say? What do you want? I don't care. I want to hold my office. 
It's really about the line drawers and the people in office picking their voters rather than voters picking their their representatives. And it's it is voter suppression. It undermines the um, will and, and voice of voters, and it it impedes political accountability. I mean, part of the system is designed such that, in theory, if I do a crappy job as a representative, the voters will vote me out, right? That's considered to be the process. Let's leave it to the voters. Let's let this work itself out on its own. But wait, if you rig the elections by, by drawing the lines, that system doesn't work at all. I mean, and unfortunately, the federal courts, the U.S. Supreme Court last year, um, in a case that I had the pleasure to argue on behalf of the League of Women Voters, but we lost. Is that the one, you, the that the one you listened to? Yeah, that was with you, you and the Supreme Court, right? Yep. Uh, and the Supreme Court said, sorry, not not going to help you here. Um, and so now it's really back in the back in the hands of activists and folks to try and come up with different reforms and and outvote gerrymandering, which is no easy feat. You went there with the league. Would you say the League of Women Voters? Uh, yeah, I represented the League of Women Voters of North Carolina. And it was and you had to go all the way to Supreme Court to say we want fair district drawing yeah well this was a, a state legislature that had already been convicted of racial gerrymandering and the, the one of the head republicans who led the process said oh i can't racial gerrymander fine then i'll partisan gerrymander um and it's, so we had 13 uh congressional districts and he said well, i'm going to just like with my racial gerrymander, I'm going to draw a plan that elects 10 Republicans and three Democrats. And if it were physically possible for me to draw a plan that elected 11 Republicans and two Democrats, I would. I mean, that's how express he was about his intentions. And the Supreme Court still said, nope, nothing the federal courts can do. I'm making Julie wait until the end to ask you about the Gator, Ruth. <laughs> And the rest of the Supreme Court. She's like, I really, she really wants to ask you about the Supreme Court and what that's like. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, come on. So now every state is going to be responsible for if, if, if gerrymandering were to stop. I mean, the only way it could stop nationwide is from the Supreme Court or it would have like a constitutional amendment or something. Congress, I mean, and, and I laugh even as I suggest it, Congress <laughs> could do something. I'm not going to hold my breath. But yeah, no, the Supreme Court said we're not going to do anything. So it's Congress or you end up with some sort of patchwork effort across the 50 states of reform and justice, which, again, you know, great if you're in Virginia, maybe. But if you're in Alabama, sorry, right. you're just going to be SOL. Now, does the big H1N1 voting rights <laughs> bill address gerrymandering? Um, it, it does, but it's, you know, it's. We'll see what happens after the 2020 election. Tell us which states are the biggest assholes about voter suppression. Well, obviously, my organization, the Southern Coalition for Social Justice, focuses on the South for a reason, um, <laughs> as goes the South goes the nation. But also, man, the South really likes to show them how to stick it to voters of color. So I think there's um, obviously a history um, and highly developed practices of voter discrimination in the South, but I'm not giving anyone else a free pass. Um, you know, sort of liberal states can be just as bad and often, you know, have fewer eyes watching them. But, you know, I think states, I think states across the South have um, less access than a lot of states sort of on average across the country. And so those are states that we're looking at. Um, also, you know, you've got populations of black and Latinx voters that are, you know, really feeling the hurt from these discriminatory policies. Mm. But what are we talking here? Mississippi? Is that number one? Do you think? <laughs> it's hard to pick. I mean, I've litigated in Texas a bunch. Texas is generally at the front of the line there, but oh. Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina... There's a lot to choose from in the South. I'm happy with Texas. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy with Texas. Did you hear about anything going shady going down in Tennessee in this last primary? Like a, it was like a month ago? I'm trying to remember if it was um, Tennessee. I mean, with some uh, insider manipulation of the elections. Yeah, he was he was saying that he it was a video of him talking to, to someone. It was on Twitter and it was him saying that the numbers he was seeing come up in real time didn't match the numbers he was sending or something like that. 
Um, I didn't see that. I will say, you know, two things. One is um, I wish we saw um, both a ton of training in high tech. I mean, I'm not high tech by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, you know, I am on an, a landline right now, which is <laughs> fairly miraculous. But um, I wish we had super high tech people running our elections, and mm. I wish we had super high tech infrastructure for our elections. But we don't because we chronically underfund elections in this country. So there's that. There's also, you know, quite frankly, a good old boys network. So when I see legislatures making it harder to vote because they're alleging, you know, there's all this potential for fraud, um, I don't see that on, on behalf of the voters. I see it on behalf of folks that are part of the good old boys network who are manipulating um, election systems and processes and for whom these uh, – you know, burdensome um, voting laws aren't actually going to make their shenanigans any harder. So that's unfortunately some of the background that's in effect, which isn't to say your average election administrator isn't great, but we've built up over hundreds of years a system that's designed to favor old white guys, Mm. and we shouldn't be shocked when it acts the way it was designed. Right. It's pretty crazy that there's not that kind of money poured into voting it's like you can raise millions and millions and millions for a campaign or they sink so much money into defense or whatever you think that voting you know just that it's the cornerstone (laughs) of democracy would have you know a big budget you know yeah nothing works if our elections don't work but god asking congress to appropriate a decent amount of money this year for running election running presidential elections during a global pandemic you would have thought we were asking for the stars (laughs) Talk to us about what I'm in. Again, it varies state to state, but in general, what are the voting rights for people who have served time mm. or have have a record, like a criminal record? I guess it does. It, so it does vary state by state, and so I, I, you know, I can't advise someone. Oh, well, if you finished your probation or parole, you're good to vote again. Um, when I was talking about administrative disenfranchisement, it runs. It intersects with um, felony disenfranchisement, too. So, for example, recently you have um, all of these issues in Florida with folks who may owe some um, fines and fees relating to an, um, a felony conviction. And the state of Florida can devote hundreds of person hours and can't figure out how much a voter owes and what they would need to pay in order to have their rights restored. And yet the Supreme Court says, that's okay. We're going to let the August primaries go forth under a system where we can't even tell who's gotten the right to vote back or not. So in some states, um, you have situations where as soon as you're released from incarceration, maybe you're, you're free to vote. In some states, you just have to finish your probation or parole. In some states, you have to finish your probation and parole and pay all of your fines and fees. But good luck trying to figure out what your fines and fees are. So it's a it's a mess of a system that also needs to be simplified because in addition to being at core racially discriminatory, and it is, it's also confusing as hell and making it harder for folks to feel like, hey, I can go vote and they're not going to throw me in jail for voting when i'm ineligible and oh my god. god that's happened recent that's happened wow. recently in north carolina they throw the book they make it hard to figure out what the rules are and then they throw throw the book at you when you make a mistake wow. and then you recant vote because now you went back to jail yep and is that's that right. is that in the h1n1 big voting is 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 any kind of like i guess Re- reform of or, that? or yeah i mean uh, I actually don't know the answer to that question off the top of my head. I think there are some issues related. I mean, I think um, the House wants to take some action on that front, but, you know, ultimately what's going to end up coming out of Congress is probably going to be some muddled compromise crap that doesn't go nearly as far as it needs to into make, to making voting easier and more accessible. The irony is that your landline is also – like sounds like a cell phone <laughs> can you hear that on your end that's the that's I, the I, it's the wonderful irony of, of landlines yeah it's like i don't know or is that us it's it's probably us. so the last real question and then julie can just geek out and fan out if somebody wants to get involved in in helping get people out to vote 
Like, what should they Google in any given state, like, to join an organization like yours or, you know, locally or whatever? Yeah. So two great things um, to think about. One is volunteering to uh, do election protection work. So if you um, Google 866-OUR-VOTE, the Election Protection Coalition has tons of volunteer opportunities. And then there are groups like the NAACP and the Legal uh, League of Women Voters, so um, uh, membership-based organizations that are going to have chapters and leagues in every state across the country and are really well designed to plug in new folks and new voices into um, sharing information about the voting rules, helping people navigate the voting rules, um, and just encouraging them to vote. Yeah. Well, and so imagine imagine you have access to an, the internet, but a voter doesn't. I mean, just being able for them to be able to call you and you be able to say, "Here are your four voting sites in your county, and here are the hours that are they're open." I mean, that's that's a huge service you're doing to help another voter participate. Mm. And so resource. any of those options yeah. would be ways in which you could help. Love I it. I can do that. Yeah. I have Google. Yeah, and plus get to stay home and just talk to someone, which I love just doing. Easy. Staying home. <laughs> Um, I need to know about the Supreme Court. <laughs> so, I mean, you go in there, you're like, fuck, man, I'm in the Supreme Court. And you're a lawyer. This has to be like going in. This has to be like well, the Oscar you Awards. Say, was, it, was that your first time? Was that your first time? No, I my first time was in 2018. I argued the Texas redistricting case and then 2019, the North Carolina partisan gerrymandering case. The first time you went in, were you like, damn. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty <laughs> daunting but you know you prep so hard for it that this is what you this is what you were ready for this is what you prepared to do and it's like crazy small in there mm. um and you know you're within spitting distance of the justices and weird weird know. did clarence thomas give you a coke can <laughs> with anything on it allegedly <laughs> he he's um, it was it was hard to make eye contact with all of the justices. Let's say now, all of them were, were actually engaged in the argument. Are they? Are they? Do they all have to be there? Because sometimes I thought like if they're sick, some like some some of them aren't there. Yeah, Justice Ginsburg's had some health issues where she's had to participate remotely, but right. mostly that's been since Corona, which and everyone's been participating remotely anyway, so it's not as noticeable. But generally, yeah, they're all there and. You know, it's really small. There's only a couple of hundred people in there. Um, both years that I argued, I think, you know, around or under 20% of the um, folks presenting were women. It's predominantly wow. old white men. Wow. And it was the first time in particular I felt like Justice Kagan and Justice Sotomayor um, in particular were just – I felt their warmth. Yeah, they, they were vibing you. Oh. They were vibing. Advocates. Yeah, oh, that's nice. That's <laughs> yeah. good. And then, like, was was Brett Kavanaugh there in 2019? Yeah, yeah. he was, was he not vibing in you too? <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, not not the same. <laughs> he, he was there in uh, in 2019 for the North Carolina case, but oh, he was. Um, Justice Kennedy was still there when I argued the first time in in the Texas case. It's got to be so weird. I just think. I mean, I don't, and I guess as a lawyer, they're all. I'm sure you have a respect for all of them that. You know, I know for me, I would go in there and be like, yo, Brett, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be like, hey, Raper, like, what's up? But you can't like you're a lawyer and, you you know, you're unbiased and normal. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sarcastic and irreverent, but it's it's hard to be irreverent in that space. It's just overwhelming. Yeah, it's inappropriate, ma'am. Of course. But next time you go, please ask (laughs) Neil Gorsuch about his gold convertible Mercedes. Okay, Allison, because I don't know if you know that. That's what go, being on this podcast gets you, that little tidbit of information. Done. It's going to go in my opening statement. I mean, thank right. you so much for doing this. Yeah. Um, tell our 14 listeners where they can find you or where you think that they should best find anything. Uh, I, I would love for all of your listeners to visit um, www.scsj.org um, and learn more about my organization and the important racial justice work that we're doing across the South, particularly focused on voting rights and justice systems reform. And do you have a personal Twitter or anything that you like to be engaged with with people, or are you just mainly at Ab- the Southern Coalition? Absolutely. You can uh, – and here I'm going to reveal my my lack of – um, <laughs> Twitter uh, prowess, but I'm at at Allison J Riggs. 
Allison with, with two L's. A-L-L-I-S-O-N-J-R-I-G-G-S. Okay. And Southern Coalition for Social Justice, if, if you know, S-C-S-J, but if you just want to Google that for SouthernCoalition.org. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Allison. Yep. Yeah, thank you for your time and for thanks, um, schooling thanks us. Thanks to both of you. I, we really appreciate y'all lifting up the, our organization. We're really grateful. Oh, oh yeah. Anytime. Of anytime. Of course. Thank you. Now it's time for So There's That. All right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a So There's That moment that's happening because of or in spite of the rotted pile of racist Facebook garbage that this country has become. She hates doing it, and I don't blame her. But after talking to Allison Riggs and knowing that organizations like Southern Coalition for Social Justice are out there fighting tirelessly on behalf of marginalized, disenfranchised, and abused communities, that really gave me some hope. Well, that and the 60 straight days of Black Lives Matter protests. We are now in a revolutionary war, and for the first time, it really feels like we might win it. So I'm excited for your So There's That, Meow Meow. Thank you. Well, um, this So There's That is in direct conjunction with Allison Riggs, in fact. So if I may, if I may. Okay. This week has pretty much sucked a bag of dicks inside a bag of balls. And even though it was another week of losses, loss, and losses, and loss, there is some good news and some small lights of hope. I just want to say that. I want to put that out there. Now, the other day we were sitting here and there was a knock on the door. I opened it, hoping it was one of the packages we were waiting for. And lo and behold, it was something even more annoying. It was a note stuck to the door talking about the good news. Now, if you don't know, anytime anyone has good news <laughs> to bring you, it's generally about Jesus Christ. And the purveyors of this particular saying are generally missionaries and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as a form of Mormons, LDS Church, a religious sect that believes we will be going to the kingdom of heaven with the head of your household as long as it's a man where he will be a living God. And the Lord, our God, is our heavenly father. If you don't accept this, you will not enjoy heaven and Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus and any other non-Jesus religion. Get ready to become a puddle of blood. With that said, I kept reading the note thinking, why is this good news? This isn't even news. This isn't even good. This is fake fucking news. And you didn't even give me the opportunity to interrogate you with my tampons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was what you were. Let's cut to the. That's what you're really upset about. You you opened the door and then you went, oh, I miss the missionary. And then I was like, hmm, I'm not even going to look at the paper. It's either Mormons or Jehovah's Witness. Like, mm -hmm. that's what Michael Jackson was. Right. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't let me dyke out, Jew out, angry out, judgmental out. None of it. How dare you? Now, this is, in fact, bad news. Why didn't you just leave a note in there saying, hey, here's really annoying fucking news. Just wanted to let you know there's a rich, huge sect of America that are a bunch of fucking brainwashed lemmings who can't think for herself and are too scared to face radical acceptance of true life and are part of the reason Donald Trump is president and fucking Mormon church has one of the most racist backgrounds. OK, they didn't even let black people hold leadership roles and kept black people suppressed until 1978. It's been so, so, so hard to find good news lately. And that really just bummed me the fuck <laughs> especially out. Especially when they called okay? it good news. That is what you call good news. <laughs> and especially in this moment that we're having now, this religion, which actively kept their chokehold on black people until 1978. That's not far away at all. Okay. <sighs> I just don't appreciate these assholes preying on people's fear and depression, pretending that they have the answer. It's lies. It's fake. So fuck off. That's the good news. Fuck off. Take your bullshit, put it in a bottle and sit on it. Well, that got me to look for some actual good news to find the <laughs> meaning of good news. And though it feels very few and far between today after talking to so many amazing people on our podcast and Allison Riggs today and looking into the issue of voting suppression and voting activism, we came across some really good news. 
As people flood the streets consistently in protests and rallying for police reform and Black Lives Matter and equality in this country, I want to just make sure that we take our perspective and know I need this advice for myself too, to focus on the good news and good work of real people doing real things in order for real change. It can be so easy to fall into the depression of negativity and cynicism as we feel the world burning around us. Especially listening to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. But the, I do want to... The cornerstone is negativity <laughs> and cynicism. Well, I want to take a moment just to look at the people holding the fire hoses and extinguishers who are not being deterred by the dumpster fires running our country right now. And even myself, who's inspired to, to throw tampons into the fire. Today, I want to give my appreciation to a new voting rights organization called More Than a Vote which is created by LeBron James, the basketball player who is emerging to be truly one of America's newest and fiercest champions for black lives and equality. He started this group in order to, according to their own statement on their website, we are black athletes and artists working together. Our priority right now is combating systemic racist voter suppression by educating, energizing, and protecting our community in 2020. I love that he's responding to the Laura Ingrams of the world who said infamously to LeBron James, shut up and dribble. And he said, fuck off. Here's my voting rights group, you racist, bigoted twat. LeBron said, yeah, you want to go out and vote, but we're also going to give you the tutorial. We're going to give you the background of how to vote and what they're trying to do the other side to stop you from voting. The, and they are working with the Southern Coalition for Social Justice, right. right? One of the groups that they're working with is, that's right. And they're working with several different groups or trying to because they're very, very new and they're still trying to find their footing. Well, the thing is, is that so groups like the Southern Coalition for Social Justice will, if they're working with like, like what she said, like disenfranchised, like formerly incarcerated groups, they will already in like, let's say Florida, like you're going to talk about, mm -hmm. they will then partner with with LeBron's organization called more than a vote because that then gets publicity for the right thing. whereas they can't get as much you know just they can't just get it, as many eyes on it but then the minute he he partners with these little organizations doing these little works in whatever you know states it blows up and gets a lot of attention right so what they're doing is um well he himself LeBron James has pledged to donate $100,000 to pay the fines of ex-convicts so they are released to vote because one of the many ways in that Florida in Florida in Florida because one of the many ways voter suppression works is this insidious underbelly of the prison system where a person is released but can't pay certain fines and then the state says well until you pay your fines you cannot vote Which so is what Allison said and then they throw him in jail and then right and then if they go and do it then they get arrested for being doing committing a crime of voting I mean, it's it's beyond it's and they beyond. can't even find out what they owe. Right. So it's a it's a horrible cycle. And he's stepping in and is basically going and paying people's fines so that they can go vote. A hundred thousand dollars to LeBron James is literally like a dollar to me and you. Right. And we actually it might even be like 50 cents to me and you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, it's it's pretty amazing. And their group like I said, is is brand new. So they're trying to they're still trying to get their publicity for their group. And they're trying to you know what I mean? They're just growing and they're partnering with all these athletes and these different artists and huge, huge people who are role models for particularly for young kids. And and I would think a lot of boys who love sports. Yeah. And that's really very important. So I just wanted to say that LeBron James, who I, I really didn't know that much about. Um, and upon reading about him, he really, truly is a role model. More than a vote is just one of the organizations he started. Yeah, he's a ton of does a ton of charity, including opening a goddamn school for underprivileged kids. The motherfucker started a school, and outside of politicians who we generally look at to lead and make the actual changes we all desperately need, it's the LeBron Jameses of the world who lead the public sentiment, put his money where his mouth is, and can truly turn the tide of hearts and minds and young people and the zeitgeist that moves generations forward so what i want to say is lebron james is the good news so there's that
Okay, so that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. Thank you guys for listening. If you're new to us and you haven't signed up for our Patreon podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and check it out. We fucking beg you. If you are offended or annoyed by anything you heard here today, just know we don't talk any politics on that podcast, but we are still very offensive and very annoying. But it's in it's just in more of a organic, unprepared, what's the point of this podcast, go get some fucking content kind of way. Yeah, charming. We do two a week. Uh, you can choose whether you want to sign up for one or two. They're both an hour and it's a dollar for one and two dollars for two. If you're not sure you like it, then sign up for one. You can always go in and cancel uh, if you're turned off or you can upgrade to two a week if you're turned on. That's right. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. We love you, Lady Red. How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet Transvestite From Transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme and maybe play you a sign You look like you're both pretty groovy Or if you want something visual that's not too abysmal We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat wheel. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, It'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Right. Or maybe a bite. Right. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan, and he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite. Transsexual Transylvania <laughs> So, come up to the lab And see what's on the slab I see you shiver with anticipation But maybe the rain Is really to blame so I'll remove the cause. <laughs> but not the symptom. <laughs> <laughs>